it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to Murderific True Crime Podcast, hosted and created by Bernadette from the state of Maine. We have everything a true crime connoisseur could ask for. Remember, murder plus horrific equals murderific. Service for the emergency. Can you ask him what's happened? I'm not sure what's happened. Excuse me, mate. Excuse me. Hello? Yeah. What's, what's happened, please? Somebody threw acid over his face, apparently. Yeah, acid thrown over his face. Yeah. yeah. Okay, bear me a second. In 2015, Mark Van Doggen's father was brought to the hospital in Bristol, England, to see his son. He looked in several rooms and said, quote, There's been a mistake. My son isn't here, unquote. But he had seen his son, and he didn't recognize him because Burns covered 25% of his son's body and face. Mark said, quote, kill me now if my face is going to be left looking like this. I don't want to live, unquote. This is the story of Mark Van Dongen's acid attack. My guest today is Rebecca. Hi. Thanks for joining me again. I'm excited to be spending time with you. Yeah, we're here again to tell a horrible story from England. I just want to tell horrible stories with you. Okay. We'll start when Mark met Berlina Wallace in 2010. They were both living with HIV and met actually on a dating website. Mark was in his 20s and Berlina was 20 years his senior. 20 and 40. Berlina was originally from South Africa and she had a rough life. She was pregnant at 14, her boyfriend died, and also her first child on top of that. She was gang raped at age 20, and she contracted HIV. Certainly not an easy life. When they met online, Mark was living in the Netherlands, and Berlina was living in Bristol. Mark had been in a relationship with a woman that didn't work, and he had recently gotten his HIV-positive status when the two met. He was instantly drawn to the older woman, his dad even saying later, I had the impression she was using him. I wasn't sure about it, and I think Mark was more in love with her than the other way around. Berlina was a fashion student at the time, and Mark had moved to the UK, going to Bristol Academy and working as an engineer. In 2011, the couple moved in together in Bristol. Mark was making good money and lived in an upscale area. Though from the outside everything looked perfect, Berlina had her flaws. She was overly jealous, demanding, and emotionally abusive— all despite the fact that Mark was financially supporting her through school and with everything else. Though Mark was a big guy physically, he was 6'5 and over 200 pounds. Soon, Berlina moved over to physically abusing Mark. In 2011, during an argument, Berlina threw boiling hot water at Mark, and he had to seek medical treatment. At the hospital, he lied and said that he had dropped tea on himself. 
There were also times throughout the five-year relationship that Mark's friends saw scratches on his face and body that had been inflicted by his girlfriend, Berlina. One time, Berlina started a fight because he bought coffee for work friends. Oh my God. If you have to seek medical attention for a burn, that's a real burn. Yeah. Like you have to go to the hospital to seek medical attention. That's how much that she burned him. So he's in this relationship. They live together. He's financially supporting her and he's being abused. Berlina would also hit herself in the face and tell Mark she would call the police and tell them he had hit her. Yikes. That is major yikes, especially for a man. That's next level, yeah. When Mark needed a bit of freedom within the relationship, he joined a gym. Immediately, his girlfriend accused him of cheating, another form of emotional abuse. This fight went on for two weeks. Can't even join a gym. He's like, I gotta get out of here. Yeah. Can't even do anything to better himself. But these are the signs we've seen in a million episodes of coercive control, and it's just the other way around. She's controlling him. In 2013, Berlina told a counselor she was seeing that anger was just a simple part of her character. She had been physically violent and threatened and intimidated people. All of this Berlina admitted to herself. She soon became financially abusive, making Mark give her most of his paycheck so she could fund her family's requests of money in South Africa. Oh, no. Mark began to confide to his friends that he was afraid of Berlina. By the summer of 2015, he was finally ready to leave her, even telling her he would still financially support her, but the relationship was over. He wanted out. You're still willing to give money to your abuser. That's how much you're scared. That's how much you want out. That is wild. In August of 2015, Mark met a new woman named Violet. Mark was now 28 and Violet was 46. Mark moved out of the apartment with Berlina. Berlina turned up the abuse now, as abusive people often do when the other person decides to leave. She threatened to kill herself frequently. She also made 14 phone calls to Mark's new girlfriend and would simply be silent on the phone, not saying anything, in order to be intimidating or to scare the other woman. That's so scary. Yeah. During the month of August 2015, Berlina told Mark she had taken an overdose of drugs and he had to call paramedics to her apartment. Now she's really using coercive control to get what she wants. She wants him back. On the 23rd of August, she started sending Mark many abusive texts saying he had sex with children and that she would tell everyone. He tried to calm her down saying he would still help her with money and he wanted to keep the peace between them. Berlina also had Mark's passport and wouldn't give it to him unless he would come and get it. Wow, she's actually very terrifying. Yeah, these measures are not measures you read about very often. Yeah. Come September of 2015, things are still escalating as Mark had to call 999 and tell them that Berlina would not stop calling his new girlfriend and she was harassing him as well. A constable phoned Berlina and warned her verbally under the Protection of Harassment Act. Again, this isn't harassment. This is stalking. This is abuse. Yeah. It was this same day that Berlina, using Mark's credit card, no less, bought a one liter bottle of sulfuric acid online from Amazon. Because what? Because what? What? How can you do that on Amazon? I bet you can't anymore. Probably not. Berlina took off the label of the acid that she received and put it into a clear glass jar. She also began researching chemical acid attacks online. She was looking at photos of acid attacks on people. In counseling around this time, she told a psychiatrist she wasn't coping with the breakup well. She was anxious and very angry. She told the staff that she felt an adrenaline rush 
when someone said the wrong thing to her and she knew she could destroy everything. She said she was worried for Mark and his new girlfriend and she wasn't capable of controlling her anger. Those quotes are so scary. Someone gets an adrenaline rush when somebody like challenges them. That's what she's saying. I want somebody to fuck with me. That's how crazy she is. Yeah. On September 22, 2015, Berlina threatened to kill herself once again. Mark decided to go to her house and just check up on her. And he decided to cook a meal with her. I'm sure he was trying to like de-escalate the situation, make her not upset, because that's what people do in those situations. But also anytime anyone says any threatening thing about themselves, just do a welfare check. Mm Because that'll be the real test if something's wrong. If the police show up and medics show up, they'll see what the fuck's actually up. Yeah. Mark slept there that night and he was just in his boxer shorts in bed. He's very vulnerable. He woke up briefly at 2.50 a.m. to see Berlina standing above him saying, if I can't have you, no one will have you. She was laughing and then she threw the acid into Mark's face and most of his upper body. Berlina then went to sit on the couch calling a friend and not calling any emergency numbers for Mark. Mark went screaming outside and the next door neighbor, Thomas, heard someone crying and screaming. But at first, he thought it was foxes fighting. Wow. Oh, my God. If anyone's heard foxes, they sound otherworldly. Really? Oh, my God. It's like a noise you can't even recognize. It's so scary. He saw Mark saying, help me. He saw a man only in his underwear who appeared to be in extreme agony and pain. The neighbor said it looked like the man screaming had paint thrown on him. Mark's eyes were bloodshot, and it looked like his skin had been bleached. 999 was called at 2.57 a.m., and here is some of the audio. Ambulance service, what's the address of the emergency? Can you ask him what's happened? I'm not sure what's happened. Excuse me, mate. Excuse me. Hello? What's, what's happened, please? Somebody threw acid over his face, apparently. Did acid thrown over his face? Yeah. Okay, bear me a second. Is the attacker still nearby? Is it who who did this to you, please? His, his, his ex. Oh, right, my love. Is she still there? Has they, has she gone? Is he or she still here? I don't know. That's okay. That's the one, my love. Don't worry. Another neighbor, Dominic Woodling, heard the screaming too and came out. This is like at three in the morning when she did this to him. They put Mark in a shower because he was in so much pain, and he said, "Quote: My ex did this." Unquote. He also mentioned to not go by the apartment that his ex-girlfriend was in. He was visibly terrified of her, so he wouldn't even go back into his apartment. When the neighbors saw Mark in the bathroom light, they could see how awful his condition really was. And this next part's going to be pretty graphic. We're going to talk about Mark's issues. When the paramedics were on the scene at 3.05 a.m., which is pretty quick, Paramedic Dean Carter saw chemical burns to Mark's face, chest, stomach, and thighs. Mark's eyelids were burnt off. Oh, my God. And his irises were dissolved. (gasps) Mark was frothing at the mouth with what looked like gray-colored paint, but in actuality, it was Mark's face melting. Oh, my God. Because when you get acid on you, it continues to burn you. It doesn't just wash off. like It sinks in your skin, basically, and just keeps going. Yeah. Oh, my God. As he was in the ambulance, Mark kept screaming, she did this, and pointing to a tattoo on his stomach that said Berlina. He's conscious. Yeah. He's like consciously melting. And he also wants them to know who did this to him. 
Mark also told them to check on his new girlfriend, and he was afraid that Berlina would attack her as well. She probably knows where she is. Yeah. When Mark made it to the decontamination room of South Mead Hospital in Bristol, he caught a glimpse of himself in the mirror and said, kill me now. If my face is going to be left looking like this, I don't want to live. Ugh. Yeah. The burns that Mark received were on two-thirds of his face and a large portion of his upper chest and arms and upper thigh. It covered 25% of Mark's body. The pain Mark experienced was excruciating and also nonstop. She stood above him in bed. Yeah, she knew what she was doing. So much hatred and scorn and evilness to put on his face. Yeah. This isn't like a warning. This is, you're going to be fucked for the rest of your life. Right. It took 10 days for Mark's family to be contacted and get to the hospital. He was alone in intensive care in unending pain. His brother and father, when they got there, looked for Mark. They went in every room and looked to every person in the beds. His father, Cornelius von Dongen, thought, well, there's a mistake. Mark isn't here. But Mark had been in the first room that his father had been in, and he couldn't even recognize his own son. During Mark's time in first intensive care and then the burn unit, he suffered intense pain, reoccurring chest infections, night terrors, and post-traumatic stress disorder. Much of the skin on Mark's face had to be surgically removed. He lost sight in his left eye, and one of his ears was gone, and the sight in most of his right eye was gone. He spent four months in a coma and could only breathe through a ventilator. His lower leg was amputated because of no blood supply. He was on the strongest of opiates, but it still wasn't enough. Mark's liver function was altered, his kidneys were injured, and he was paralyzed from the neck down, and he lost his ability to communicate. I know Bernadette just said a lot, mm. and there is a lot. He lost his eye. He lost his ear. He spent four months in a coma. And a lot of times people are put in a coma just because they can't handle the pain if they're conscious. Yep. That's how much pain he was in. Could only breathe through a ventilator. Paralyzed. And a leg amputated. Yeah. And then he was on so much meds that his organs were injured. And they weren't even working. Oh, my God. In November of 2016, he was moved to a care home. His dad was at his side 22 hours a day, scratching him, moving his arms because his son was in so much agony. On one arm, all of Mark's muscles were gone. The bone was still being eaten away due to the acid. Every weekend, his dad would travel 800 miles to be with his son, sleeping in the hospital car park in a van, sometimes below zero. I don't have a child, but I'm thinking of a parent and a child in that situation. Yeah, the parent would do anything. He was sleeping in his car in the cold. He lived 800 miles away, but of course you're going to come. Your son is suffering. The father's marriage crumbled and he went through bankruptcy. A friend of the family paid for Mark to be transferred to Belgium, where his dad could be with him all the time. This is quite a journey for Mark after this happened. Once finally at home, after relearning how to talk with just his tongue and pointing at letters, Mark applied for euthanasia. Three doctors ruled that Mark's, quote, unbearable physical and psychological suffering, unquote, meant that he would be eligible to die. Mark said, quote, my life has come to nothing and there is nothing left, unquote. On June 2, 2017, Mark was allowed to die with a catheter put into his heart to give him drugs that would stop his unbearable suffering. Mark was finally at peace. After months of agony, he was only 29 years old. Now back to Berlina. 
The same day Mark went to the hospital from the acid attack, she was arrested, and she was charged with throwing a corrosive substance with intent. She was interviewed by police where she tried to blame Mark for all of this. Here is Berlina in her own words during her interrogation. Yeah, he did, you know, because he said to me it was water. I've got water for you, right. you know, like you come and take your medication and go to bed. He wanted to me to, to burn my insides. Can you imagine? Berlina said that she thought the jug was water and that Mark asked to drink it. And then Berlina says, can you imagine? This is the account that she stuck with throughout her trial also, saying that Mark was the abuser in their relationship, even though this was 100% lies. The day after Mark died by euthanasia, February 3rd, 2017, Wallace was also charged with the murder of Mark Van Dongen. November 8th, 2017, Miss Wallace's trial begins. Her legal team makes an application of no case for the murder charges as Mark chose euthanasia. There was no murder. Ugh, this is directly her fault. This is her fault. Late November, the first jury is dismissed. Miss Wallace's murder charges remain. April 18th, 2018, a second jury is selected to try the case at Bristol Crown Court. Two days later, the second jury is dismissed. April 23rd, a do-over with a third jury. The trial lasted close to a month. The jury saw the searches on Wallace's computer for the acid attacks. The prosecution asked, what was so interesting about pictures of people who had acid thrown in their face? Berlina said, just curiosity. Jurors also heard of Berlina's violent history and abuse with Mark. She also said that she thought she was throwing water on Mark, not acid, and he actually wanted to hurt her because she had said nasty things to him. She said what happened to Mark was bad luck. But her defense isn't doing a very good job. There's nothing yeah. to defend. How do you defend? Right. Of course, the jurors saw the graphic photos of what happened to Mark, the acid that Wallace had bought, the sheets being melted at the scene. Wallace showed no emotion except for herself at the trial. Before Mark died, he recorded a message blaming Berlina completely for his trip to the suicide clinic. He addressed her, saying, quote, I hope you can see the way I look now. This is because of you. I will be a thing upon your conscience for now and ever. You stood at the end of my bed and you said, if I can't have you, no one will. And then you laughed. You evil woman, you laughed. And you threw acid over me, unquote. On May 17th, 2018, the jury finds Wallace guilty of throwing a corrosive substance with intent, but not guilty of murder or manslaughter. Mark's father, Cornelius, spoke to reporters after the verdict. This isn't in English. It's actually in Dutch. I'm going to put in the audio because you can hear the anguish of this father who saw his son suffer so much. And the video is just haunting. Mark was so moedig. Ondanks de helse pijn en beperkingen die hij aangedaan werden. Maar uiteindelijk werd, hij, werd het allemaal te veel. Het juridisch proces was een moeilijke en emotionele ervaring. Ik ben zeer teleurgesteld in de afloop van de zaak. Er zijn alleen maar verliezers in deze zaak. Ik hoop dat Mark nu rust in vrede. En ik zal je wat hij zei nu. He said, quote, Mark was so brave when confronted with the hellish pain and disabilities inflicted upon him, but eventually it all became too much for him to bear. The court process has been a difficult and emotional experience. 
I am very disappointed in the outcome of this trial. There are only losers in this case, and I hope that Mark can now rest in peace, unquote. As Cornelius speaks, his hands are shaking and he is crying. He looks like a broken man. Berlina Wallace received a sentence of life with a minimum term of 12 years. Life should mean life. It should mean life. Credit was given for the 972 days she had already served. So what is that? Two and a half years or something? The 12 years is not the actual term she will serve, but the minimum time she will serve before she will come up for parole. The time she will serve will most likely be much longer. Hopefully. But still, as a family to hear, they might get out at this time. Yeah. She will only be released on parole if the board thinks she is no longer a threat to the public. There's no way that they're not going to keep her in there. I don't know. The trial judge, Mrs. Justice Nicola Davies, called the attack sadistic, callous, malicious, and premeditated. She said to Miss Wallace, Your intention was to burn, disfigure, and disable Mark so he would not be attractive to any other woman. It is an act of pure evil. I do sentence you for the harm which you inflicted, the catastrophic and life-changing injuries, 15 months of acute physical and psychological suffering Mark endured. After the attack, members of the public must acquire a license to buy, possess, or use sulfuric acid. You can't simply buy it on Amazon as Berlina did online. Okay, that's the end of the story. Thoughts? She didn't even get attempted murder. I know. But was she attempting to murder him or was she attempting to, like the judge said, I'm just going to ruin you? What's worse, murdering someone or making it so that their life is terrible? That's worse. For months and months and months and months. And then he had to die because he couldn't stand it anymore. And I also think probably with her research of sulfuric acid, she found that people might not die. Oh, think about that. Oh, I can't. And then I really think about the father because he had to see that and he had to try to help his son. And then he had to help his son commit suicide. And I just can't imagine what that's like. That's just next level. And I don't know how you get through something like that. Even if you could get through something like that, you would never be the same. Psychologically, you're ruined. It makes me think of that expression, quote, you're only as happy as your least happy child, unquote. Have you ever heard that? Yeah, it's sad. Yeah. And I believe that's true as a parent. And this is probably top five, one of the worst stories we've covered. I was going to say top five. (sighs) Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye. You've reached the end of another murderific true crime podcast. Ways to support us. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash murderific. You can also find us on Patreon, where we have over 40 bonus shows and the regular podcast early and ad-free plus merch. If you enjoy Murderific, leave us a review in iTunes. Until next time, we will be executing podcasts one crime at a time. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off.
sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. 